Welcome to The Thing About Health Coaching, the podcast from Your Coach Health, where we discuss advancements in health and wellness coaching, trends to watch, and the growing body of research. This episode was generated from conversations that occurred at our Global Health and Wellbeing Coaching Symposium in November of 2022, with a focus on demystifying health coaching in digital health, healthcare, and beyond. Please note that the industry is rapidly changing, so some of the information discussed may be outdated. For the latest news in health coaching, be sure to follow along with us and check out our latest health coaching report at yourcoach.health. We enjoy bringing you each and every episode, and it would mean a lot if you could rate this podcast in your favorite player. And of course, hit that bell to be notified of future episodes. Hello, and welcome back to the third annual Global Health and Wellbeing Coaching Symposium by Your Coach. My name is Orunthuti Parmar. I'm the Editor-in-Chief of MedCity News. I'm very pleased to introduce you today to Dr. Michael Albert, an internal medicine expert and co-founder and chief medical officer of Accomplish Health. Accomplish Health is a telehealth weight management platform comprising physicians, dietitians, and health coaches. Welcome to you, Dr. Albert. Hey, thank you very much. I appreciate that introduction. I look forward to having a lively discussion with you. Perfect. So let's start here. How did you first discover health coaching and why did you decide to incorporate that into your practice? Yeah, that's a great question. I think for me personally, I'm a huge advocate for physicians practicing at the top of their licenses. And the reality is historically, we've asked physicians to do far too much. There was a recent study that came out that estimated that we asked physicians to do about 27 hours of work in a single clinical day. That's excessive, right? And, and the reality is we value more and more the well-being of our patients, this sort of holistic approach to managing their lives, not only in prevention, but also in management of disease. And for me, it was trying to find a better way of doing that because I, for one, cannot wear 15 different hats and caring for my patients. And I think what we've seen emerging as part of this broadening and, and larger care uh, group is, is the health coach. And I'm sure we'll talk about what that exactly means, but I think there's a tremendous opportunity as we look forward into the future, building these complex, uh, multidisciplinary and integrated care teams. What that means is a health coach working with everyone else as sort of this non-clinician, patient advocate and trying to deliver holistic health and wellness. And, and so finding those individuals who can contribute meaningfully beyond just the MD is really something that I've been passionate about uh, ever since I've really gotten into this field. So I have heard that physicians don't think super highly of health coaches. Can you talk a little bit about the common misconceptions doctor may have, doctors may have about health coaches and coaching in general? Absolutely. So I think some of that is, is uh, you know, very reasonable skepticism, right? Anytime you have emerging fields, particularly in, in sort of this sort of legacy system, there's going to be some skepticism and some concern. And some of that is due to the fact that we don't have enough data and validation to figure out how these coaches fit into the sort of larger care scheme. But I think as we've seen with more and more data coming out, particularly with the utilization and emergence of telehealth and telemedicine, that coaches as part of a larger care model have a valid place. And I think what we want to do 
as we continue to validate their use and, and integration into a larger care team is understand that much like anything else, they need to abide by certain standards of education, of clinical um, excellence or, or you know, training so that we can feel fully confident in this individual that they'll take the best possible care and, and provide that needed support for the patient. And so I think from my standpoint, some of the legacy concern was really around um, historically a lack of, of standardization, maybe around some of the training programs. I think as we're seeing more and more as health coaching is uh, being embraced on many different levels, we're seeing the emergence of certification programs of national standards. And I think that's only going to pick up more momentum as we value the health coach on levels maybe previously we didn't. So let's say I have all the certifications and I wanted to be a health coach with Accomplished Health. What is the interview process? How do you select folks? Yeah, I think from our standpoint, we're really looking at people because ultimately we are going to work with coaches, even our dietitians, in the way that really fits our clinical schemes and our care model. And everyone is going to operate a little bit differently depending upon their type of practice and how they're serving their patient population. But ultimately, you know, I want to know that they've had some valid training that's sort of well accepted across organizations. But also, I want to know that the person that I'm hiring, the person that I'm engaging with, they sort of have shared uh, principles, they have sh shared values, they have, they're empathetic, right? They're a willing listener and, and uh, collaborator with their patients. These sort of personal values are really important from my standpoint, right? So if you're not able to demonstrate these, because at the end of the day, I'm trusting you with our patients, you need to be working with them in a very productive and meaningful way. And, and that goes far beyond sort of the educational training. That's also about the person, the person that I'm looking to hire. And so from my standpoint, it's 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 also those soft skills beyond sort of the the training and education that goes in uh, to the creation of this health coach in, uh, in the first place. Now, um, you know, value-based care is a buzzword these days, right? Um, sometimes I feel that value-based care is sort of code word for just reducing costs. Yeah. and not really talking much about um, outcomes. Do you think having a character or a figure like a health coach can forward that argument of value-based care more on the improved patient outcome side and less on the cost side? I think another aspect of value-based care that doesn't get enough emphasis is that this idea that we're transitioning from a mindset of short-term acute care to one of long-term value and chronic care. Right? right. And in order to build these longitudinal care systems, we need to have stakeholders and care providers that are invested for the long term with these patients. And so the health coach is someone that, you know, can do that. There's tremendous opportunity of integrating health coaches into the existing healthcare system to help reinforce this uh, new direction that we're headed in. Um, you could call it value-based care, but really at the end of the day, what we're trying to to preserve and, and promote is this longitudinal care that is based in quality, right? That is preserving the patient's interaction and that is engaging patients meaningfully. If you do that, if you provide really good care in the right kind of environment that is supporting, 
you're going to have good outcomes. I mean, we see that oftentimes. The engagement's higher, people do better, they're better engaged. And I think that is where there's a tremendous opportunity for the health coach to be involved with CARES, be, being a part of this longitudinal care team. And uh, again, on the financial side, who pays for health uh, coaches and the services that they offer and how do they do that? Yeah, I mean, I think there are two kind of models that many people are using. One, there is sort of the emerging direct patient, or many people would refer to it as D2C, right, direct right. to consumer. And, and that's a self-pay model, frankly, right? Usually it's based in some type of membership or subscription to that right. care practice. And so many health coaches have operated independently and with private you know, practices for all intents and purposes under that model. I think what we're hoping to see is uh, to not operate in any silos. We, are, we want health coaching to be a part of a broader health system. And that's probably going to be represented by more of a classical B2B type of relationship around payments, wherein the uh, payer or the self-insured employer is providing compensation for that particular service that that health coach is providing. So this may take many forms. It may take forms of novel CPT codes that are embraced and paid for or existing CPT codes and care models that are currently being used, but leverage health coaches as sort of this additional care provider. And so I think uh, there is going to be an, a number of different ways that coaching services are paid for. It will be interesting to see um, of the many, and the payers will have a lot of say in this, what gets the most traction. I don't think we know at this time, because once again, health coaching is fairly new within healthcare, yeah. and we'll have to see what uh, brings the most value, getting back to sort of, uh, you know, the conversation around cost. That makes um, complete sense, except I feel like some of the people that might benefit from health coaching may not be able to self-pay. They may be in, you know, underserved populations. So how do you I mean, you truly bend the cost curve when you look at, uh, you know, patients with chronic diseases that are lower income that don't have uh, insurance. So are we, we are, you're saying we're a few years away from solving that puzzle. Well, I think there's going to have to be an embracing at the level of the payer, right? The payers are going to have to see the value in investing in this type of longitudinal service. And, and that's where I think, once again, as we shift our mindset from this episodic acute care model of payment to a longer term investment in the health of the patient model of payment, which could take many forms, right? It could be different forms of subcapitation to full capitation, right? But it recognizes the value in this and the payer acknowledges that this needs to be paid for, right? So under a, a, the current system, it could be a fee-for-service CPT code, right? Um, in a sort of future iteration, it could be part of a capitated payment model, right? Where clinics, practices, multi-specialty groups um, understand that this is something they're going to pay for because, because it's going to have a tremendous ROI, save costs for them downstream, right, mm -hmm. and improve the outcomes in their patient, ultimately falling within sort of uh, the focus of a capitated type model. I'm curious about diabetes as a disease because I know that is one um, kind of disease that does uh, involve health coaches. Um, I would think that nutritionists almost would play the role of health coaches because so much of diabetes is what you ingest. So I'm wondering if you can differentiate the two roles um, that are equally important uh, in the case of diabetes. Yeah, I, I think from my standpoint, health coaches can take many forms, but it's really representing this sort of concept, right, of a longitudinal uh, collaborator 
that is going to focus on more than just specific disease processes, right? It's going to focus on the overall wellness and health of the patient, mm -hmm. which understands and underlies many aspects of their health, right? But it's often very personal. And mm -hmm. so I agree. I think, in fact, RDs or nutritionists could, in fact, be health coaches. I think exercise physiologists or licensed, uh, you know, exercise uh, instructors could be health coaches. I think mm -hmm. health coaches may come from many backgrounds. It's yes. around understanding their value, their role, and what are they involved with as it relates to the patient that I think is really what I'm describing. So um, getting back to your point specifically about diabetes, absolutely. We know diabetes, there is a strong association relationship with nutrition. It is typically thought to be uh, diet related in many ways. And so, yes, RDs have historically played a significant role in that. Now, does the RD role um, transform into one that also embraces sort of these larger concepts as well around wellness, around sort of longitudinal health that, that could uh, take form uh, as a health coach in addition to sort of a nutrition educator? And that's where I see a lot of value as well as, once again, looking at these legacy um, care structures and care models and, and, and care providers and saying, how can we expand your role, right? To provide greater value to the patient and pro provide greater value to the overall care model. That's where I could see a number of people like RDs becoming certified health coaches. Once again, some of these different um, clinical care providers uh, embracing sort of the philosophies of health coaching. You know, you talked about how, um you know, payers need to embrace um, this model as we move towards more upstream health and longitudinal care. I'm wondering how much education patients need because a lot of people might consider interactions with the, their doctor to be most important and then the rest are just fall by the wayside. So how much of patient convincing do you have to do? Yeah, I, I think there's some data to support that. So recommendations that come from a physician are quite meaningful and sometimes carry greater weight. But one thing I can tell you that um, has a significant uh, influence on the outcomes of a patient's health is engagement, right? And is having that sort of willing person to go along the journey with you. There's very good data to support that if patients are engaged on their health, on their disease management, on their health prevention, that over time, those patients do better, right? Mm -hmm. They do better. And so I think coaches in many ways can help fill this sort of glue layer of keeping patients involved in their care. One thing we have to appreciate, and this is why I say, you know, we need to think outside the box when we start to reimagine healthcare. So much care, in fact, 99% of someone's life happens outside of that appointment. So if you mm -hmm. see a patient twice in a year, Right, which is very typical, maybe three times, depending upon their complexity. 99% of their life is going to take place outside of that individual visit. How do we fill that with really meaningful time, meaningful work on the side of the patient to continue to engage their life, their health across all these different domains? And I think a health coach in many ways can help to facilitate this sort of continuous and longitudinal care. And that's, that's where I think there's a tremendous value because there's not, once again, getting back to what I said, there's not enough time for the physicians to do that. They have too much on their plate as it is. And in my opinion, they should be operating once again at the top of their license. Let's leverage other people to really expand and provide this sort of other uh, longitudinal model. And I think that's that's a tremendous opportunity for health coaches. I want 
to talk a little bit about health equity and social determinants of health. I'm wondering if there are any anecdotes or examples you can share of, you know, health coaches bringing to your notice or someone within Accomplished Health's notice that there is um, there is a special need that a patient has, and that might lead to you um, or the company connecting that patient with certain resources. How do you leverage health coaches to understand the social needs that a patient has? I think in many ways you answer that question. So I, what I would say is uh, oftentimes the health coach sees uh, the, the patient more than I do, you know, mm -hmm. over a given period. And so they pick up certain insights either through their, you know, sort of therapeutic alliance and this relationship of trust that they've mm -hmm. developed with the patient or just by spending more time and listening, right? That we, we often forget that so much can be gathered from just listening to the patient, what's happening in their lives. And, and they they often come up with tremendous insights that I was never able to capture in my time with the patient and share them with me, you know, whether it's uh, issues around medication and being able to inject the medicine correctly. So a lot of the medicines I use have specific technique that's needed. And I've been able to go back with the patient and say, hey, I hear you're having problems. How, how can I help facilitate, you know, your understanding of, of sort of the fidelity of the injection um, or just addressing certain things like, uh, specific nutrition preferences, right? Dietary preferences that are related to culture or related to location and what's available. Like there is this uh, level of humanity that is allowed to take place when you have that type of ongoing relationship with patient. And I think that's not something we've done a very good job embracing with this sort of acute episodic care model and in, 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 in our legacy system. And I think as we move towards value as we move towards continuous longitudinal care. Once again, I think we're going to find ways to honor and respect the patient, who they are as a person and embrace the human side of medicine and care. And I think that is tremendous because at the end of the day, that allows us to personalize and support patients on levels maybe we haven't been doing a great job on before. I'm wondering about um, scaling this. I mean, individual practices adopting health coaches is one thing. And then seeing larger health systems that have a national footprint, maybe, or a regional footprint, um, you know, adopting uh, health coaches is quite another thing altogether. How can we be sure that this will indeed happen, given the kind of financial strain that hospitals are already under these days? The Thing About Health Coaching is brought to you by Your Coach Health, the only operating system for behavior change powered by health coaches. We help a growing roster of industry partners stand up or augment their health coaching operations with the largest supply of validated health coaches and proprietary technology for seamless integration. We are the premier virtual home for health and wellness coaching, an ecosystem built to empower health coaches while expanding access to their services through our industry partnerships. To find out more, head over to yourcoach.health or yourcoachhealth on all the socials. Join us on the health coaching revolution as we strive to deliver the power of health coaching to the eight and a half billion global population by 2030. Yeah, I think that's a fair concern. Um, and that's where I get back to, you know, this is an all hands on deck problem that we're dealing with. Um, there's opportunity for once again, existing clinical care providers to expand what it is they do within their scope of care and maybe add in health coaching as part of um, their current uh, you know, care considerations. Um, I also think that there's opportunity 
to, to just integrate health coaches as part of a existing care models in meaningful ways. And the reason I say that is this, um, a number of organizations over the last decade have looked at how do we scale this human element, right? Maybe we can apply software to it or machine learning and try to do it that way. What almost all of them have come back to realize it's really hard to honor the humanity, getting back to what I said again, and really being able to support the individual. There's just uh, there's just something to talking to someone, having a real meaningful conversation, interaction that just can't be captured with a chat bot or with you know an app. And, and so while I think there are challenges uh, to scaling this, I think if we can think innovatively, I don't th I think these challenges are surmountable. Uh, but that's where mm -hmm. we have to think outside the box. And ultimately, if we're able to provide that individualized, you know, human-centered type care, I think patients are going to do better. If we do that, I think we will, at least my hypothesis, we will save cost in the long term because patients are going to be healthier. They're going to get better care. And ultimately, mm -hmm. we're going to see that ROI that a lot of the payers really care about. So I want to talk about the idea of, of telehealth. And of course, that got a huge boost during the pandemic. Utilization has you know, somewhat fallen from the highs of the pandemic, um, I think, in everything except mental health. Um, if that is a trend that continues, um, and yet you have uh, coaches that are you know, providing their services largely by telehealth, uh, are you worried about that future, that if telehealth utilization goes down, so will coaching? Yeah, I think anytime there's an adjustment, right? Sort of a regression to the mean. There was, mm -hmm. you know, out of necessity, we were forced to utilize telemedicine services, right? Because there was no in-person interaction. I think what you're seeing is sort of this adjustment that's taking place and the market's trying to figure out where telemedicine will settle out. I think you're going to continue to see more hybrid models emerge as there's value. Um, right. Telemedicine provides unparalleled access to specialists and providers and potentially coaches, right? It, you don't have to take off a whole, half a day from work or a whole day from work just to go to your doctor's visit to get this meaningful type of interaction. So I am actually tremendously bullish on the opportunity to leverage these type of, uh, you know, telemedicine services, uh, mm -hmm. particularly for coaching. I think what we'll see, though, is trying to figure out ways in which we can leverage telemedicine meaningfully, um, not just to do um, spot or urgent care type of acute care, but looking at it as a longitudinal care modality, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's where it's going to have tremendous value because it's going to improve adherence over time. We've seen that in the reported literature. There's lower no-show rates with telemedicine. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to make access better to all types of care. Um, that can leverage telemedicine. And so ultimately, I think what we're moving towards is this sort of hybrid model where we're not going to replace in-person care. Don't get me wrong. It's going to have a meaningful capacity, but we're going to augment it with telemedicine and these newer modalities of care delivery that will allow better access, better adherence to care protocols, and better engagement. You know, and, and it may not just be in the form of face-to-face, -face, like some telemedicine services are delivered. It may also be a digital experience. So I want to emphasize that there are different ways that we are virtually engaging patients as we have more and more digital technologies that allow us to augment and expand the, the care that we deliver. So I'm interested about technology. Obviously, you made your opinion about chatbots known, but... 
it's not always, um, you know, synchronous telehealth sessions that the coaches are involved with, uh, with the patient. So I'm wondering if you, if there are specific technologies that coaches uses or accomplished health uses to engage patients when they're not in a session directly with the patient. Yeah. And this is where you're trying to find out what type of interactions are meaningful, what type of interactions need to be conducted in person versus, you know, in a synchronous visit versus an asynchronous visit. And everyone will learn kind of what works for them. We certainly leverage asynchronous interactions, whether it's chat communication, even email, um, or, you know, uh, just ways in which we can engage patients. And I think figuring out the level of interaction that is needed is super important, getting back to our ability to scale the way that we provide care. We can't do everything over the phone. We can't do everything in person. And so we're going to need to find ways that we can continue to support people that leverage existing technology, especially technologies that people already use for every other industry. People are used to you know, sending an SMS message or you using WhatsApp or group text, whatever. And so we can leverage these existing technologies and embed them within our patient experience to not only enhance communication, but ultimately enhance the type of care that we provide our patients. It's so funny you mentioned, you know, texting. Just the other day, I was talking to someone and asked them a similar question about technology. And, and he answered, cell phone is penicillin uh, to everyone. So leverage the cell phone in trying to reach patients. Chat thought was so um, so intuitive, but no one had quite said it in that, in that fashion. You know, you are obviously in this space where your practice incorporates, uh, you know, different kinds of non-clinical people for the overall holistic care of a patient. What is the ideal world or utopia if all the legislations were in place, if providers had all the money in the world, if payers were reimbursing, what does an effective model, including clinical folks and non-clinical folks, look like to you? Yeah, I, you know, I think there are two important elements that I often think about in terms of the clinical and operational standpoint. There are the individuals that are committed to supporting the patients um, it, through non-sort of clinical interactions. And what I'm really bullish and interested in is are there ways to sort of create hybrid, uh, hybrid type of occupations or hybrid type of uh, providers wherein you are both, uh, quote unquote, a case manager or a care coordinator for a patient, but also a care provider. I think that's a really interesting because getting back to this idea of how do we make care more personal, more human-based, um, how do we scale it? If we can leverage people that are already working with patients in meaningful ways, support them with technology that allows them to extend the things that they're doing, then I think we make all of our interactions a lot more meaningful. The patients are already known by these individuals. They can help guide them through this very complex um, system we call U.S. healthcare. And I think that is a really interesting model wherein not only are care providers providing the direct care, but are also guiding patients through that care experience in the healthcare system. So that's something I'm really interested to see explored more and more by different healthcare practices. Um, but I also think it's getting back to this concept of physicians can't do everything. And despite what CMS has modeled out in terms of the services, they cannot provide all the nutrition services needed, all the sort of holistic wellness that is needed to, to have sort of a thriving life and a meaningful life. We need to find ways to integrate in, individuals like health coaches, 
like RDs, like exercise physiologists, and some of these may be hybrid roles, you know, within your care model, so that we can extend and 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 support more comprehensive care. So what I'm really getting back to is forming comprehensive, multidisciplinary, and integrated care teams. Right. Mm-hmm. Traditionally, these were only housed in you know very ivory tower specialty type programs. And I'm saying, let's bring it down to the level of the patient now, where the base case is really supporting this type of model. This way, patients get the best care possible, and they get this sort of longitudinal care team that can meet the patient where they are, depending upon what those concerns may be. So I, I, I think um, the future is, is more integration, not less. It is less siloing, more integration. And it's thinking uh, in novel ways about how we integrate operations with clinical staff. And I think more and more we'll see these sort of hybrid uh, providers or hybrid uh, care team members um, start to emerge. Um, Because I think right now we just have too much siloing in healthcare in general, even at the level of the clinic. And and so I think there's a tremendous opportunity to mix and and to see how that maybe uh, enables better outcomes or better care. Well, amen to that. Uh, Thank you so much, Dr. Albert, for spending the time. I think you're absolutely right. As we move towards greater care coordination, you have to include clinical and non-clinical folks for, um, you know, preventive care, uh, for taking care of patients that are fighting different chronic diseases. I wanted to thank uh, your coach as well for inviting us. Thank you so much and hope you enjoy other content at this symposium. Thank you.